I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help. With the aid of my favorite wrestling show, this is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start, and current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we're turning heel on the episode of NXT that originally aired on September 11th, 2013. In this episode, Sasha Banks shows her true colors, and a bunch of bad guys beat up a bunch of good guys. <laughs> but the episode ends with Xavier Woods dancing, so it's all good. Yeah. episode 17 of the next wrestling fan a podcast of fights and feels last episode some of bob's faves lost matches yeah but we said goodbye to jack swagger forever so that was something i hope he's fallen into a portal to a different dimension and we never hear from him again <laughs> this episode is kind of short and sweet with uh, sasha's heel turn being by far the most notable development we will discover what Bob thinks of that, among other things, in Bob's Breakdown. After that, we will spend some time, as always, with the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling, do a tiny bit of catch-up with the wrestling term of the week, and, of course, we will close things out with the Cheap Pop Quiz. But before any of that, we need to see how Bob did in last episode's Cheap Pop Quiz. She only needs one correct answer to force me into another romance novel bonus episode, and considering how the first one of those turned out, Kind of hope she gets it. Yeah. All right. Question number one. As mentioned in the last Cheap Pop Quiz, this episode featured the first botched finish of our NXT coverage. Next episode, we get the opposite. Enzo Amore and Colin Cassidy versus Scott Dawson and Alexander Rusev ends with a sequence that clearly wasn't supposed to be the finish, but the referee decided to actually follow the rules of wrestling and ended the match anyway. How does this go down? Is it A... Scott Dawson rolls up Enzo, who is clearly supposed to kick out, but he doesn't kick out in time, and the ref counts the three. B. Sylvester Lafort is supposed to interfere in the match by kicking Cassidy in the balls behind the ref's back, but he's out of position, and the ref sees him, so he disqualifies the team. That's the one you picked, Bob. Oh, that's a good one. Good job, me, for picking that for comedy reasons. C. Dawson tags in Rusev, but doesn't get out of the ring before the five count, and the ref disqualifies him. D. Enzo has been beaten up on the outside of the ring and is supposed to barely make it back into the ring before the ref's 10 count, but he trips, doesn't make it, and the ref counts him out. Or E. Enzo spends the entire match punching Dawson and Rusev in the face as his only offensive maneuver, which, by the way, is accurate. It's the only thing he knows how to do, apparently. Oh, and the ref disqualifies him because technically you're not supposed to be punching people with closed fists in a wrestling match. Bob, as I said, you picked the answer B. The correct answer, in fact, was C. Dawson tags in Rusev. They do a double-team move, but Dawson doesn't get out of the ring before the ref's five count and gets disqualified. Question number two. On the next episode, who says of their opponent, quote, he wants to hoard his love like the beaver hoard sticks to build his dam. <laughs> well, I want to spread my love across the world like the phoenix spreads his wings and soars off into the sunset. I assure you I paraphrased only by replacing proper nouns with pronouns and changing the tense at one point because the guy is talking about himself in third person anyway. So A, Bo Dallas, 
B, Leo Kruger, C, Xavier Woods, D, CJ Parker, or E, Sami Zayn. Bob, the answer you selected was D, CJ Parker, and you are correct. Yeah! Which means that you've done it again. Yes! It's happening, NXT After Dark. After Dark. Yeah. Question number three, uh, following up on last episode's cheap pop quiz, which of the following is a semi-popular online fan theory about NXT that incorporates evidence from both this episode and next episode, and that has a tangential connection to Doctor Who actress Karen Gillan? Is it A, Adrian Neville is actually Corey Graves' son from the future, kind of <laughs> like some stuff that happens in Doctor Who that I won't spoil? B, the mirror in the woman's locker room is sentient and evil like the mirror in the 2013 film Oculus, and people who look into it turn evil too. C, Charlotte and Bailey were secretly raised together by Ric Flair, similar to the MCU versions of Nebula and Gamora, with Charlotte as the kid who got everything and was always praised while Bailey was constantly ignored and has thus spent her life desperate for attention. D, NXT is a video game like the one in the rebooted Jumanji franchise, and you can tell in a given week which wrestlers are being actively played and which are being controlled by a computer AI. Or E, Rick Victor and Connor O'Brien are the sons of a Mohawk sporting wrestler from the 80s named Mad Maxine, who conceived them with an unknown demonic creature in a turn of events that wouldn't be out of place in Karen Gillan's first film, Outcast. I can't believe you wrote these. Like, that's what I can't believe. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, I can't believe you got it right. What? <laughs> what yeah, the, the hell? What did I guess? You chose you chose B. The mirror in the women's locker room is sentient and evil like the mirror in the 2013 film Oculus, and people who look into it turn evil too, and you are correct. What? That's okay. Well, Bob, you have uh, broken the threshold once again, and you even have one point to go with your next streak. Yeah. All right, Bob, let's get into the episode proper. And we do that with Bob's Breakdown. The episode starts with Enzo Amore and Cassidy. So I guess we're just getting this out of the way right now. I will say that starting with them feels like, I don't know if you ever did this, but when you purposefully set your alarm music to something that you hate, so it'll force you to, yeah. And then you're like, oh God, I have to get up. I can't hear this. But, you know, I th- we can get through this. We can get through this Enzo Mori and Cassidy bullshit. We can do it. Yeah. All right. Sylvester LaFour comes out to announce his tag team boys. And Miles, he actually takes off his sunglasses to do it. Yeah. A match against Enzo and Cass is not when I would have chosen to remove a prop, frankly, central to my character. But <laughs> who can know what mysteries lie at the heart of Sylvester LaFour? So they're the they're Sylvester LaFort's money making team of fighting legionnaires or something, right? Yeah, something. I it's very unclear to me what the deal is. <laughs> I will say it's a gimmick setup that I don't think has been well articulated, probably because it wasn't well thought out. This is my guess. I'll say they finally uh, changed the Titantrons for these guys so that now when Rusev and Dawson come out, it's got pictures of Rusev and Dawson on either side of the muscle car that still inexplicably dominates the middle part of the screen. (laughs) It was a really good clip art muscle car. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So in the ring right now are two Jersey boys, a redneck, a Bulgarian man in a leather apron and a Frenchman in a gold sequence jacket. That's right. 
If there is a punchline to this joke setup, please email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com <laughs> to let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Needless to say, punchlines that punch down in terms of race, ethnicity, and class, etc. will not be accepted. But if you have a wholesome one, I want to hear it. Rusev shows off his wood plank that has Enzo on one side and Colin on the other. Rusev only does first names on his wood planks. <laughs> you want last names? No. This is a first name only establishment. Why? Well, the muse, my friend. The muse. That's going to be painfully ironic when Rusev gets called up to the main roster and loses his first name. Oh, no, that's right. That is the <laughs> sacrifice. So Rusev breaks the board and Scott Dawson slaps him on the back and does a fist pump like, yeah, I fucking hate wood. <laughs> it's very inexplicable. The bell goes. It's Enzo and Dawson in the ring. Almost immediately, Enzo tags in Cass. Dawson goes for a kick, but Cass catches his leg. And they just yell at each other. Is this your leg? Yeah, it's my leg. What's in my way, jerk? Well, you're in the way of my leg, knucklehead. Like a whitest kids you know skit. So Dawson yells, put it down. And Cass does so he can knee Dawson in the gut. Cass holds Dawson's arm back and lets Enzo get in a hit as he's tagged back into the action. Enzo lands a few blows to Dawson's head that have him catching his breath and sort of going, oh, this chihuahua is surprisingly powerful. Yeah, just just punching. Just little punches. <laughs> little tiny punches. But I mean, like he's still a chihuahua because Dawson catches Enzo with an arm to the throat that spins Enzo around like a pinwheel. Yeah, it was a really good sell job by him, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah, he sends him crashing the mat like a particularly whimsical murder victim. So Dawson pins, but Enzo kicks out and Dawson slaps him in the back of the head. And honestly, who amongst us would not also do that if given the chance? Oh, man. Let he who would not smack Enzo Amore in the back of the head cast the first slap. <laughs> Dawson holds Enzo with his ribs exposed and tags Rusev, who lands a solid kick on Enzo. Scott Dawson kicks Enzo in the head before retreating to the corner. Scott Dawson? Surprisingly relatable. <laughs> Rusev is in control and gives Enzo three of his insanity burpees and then lays him on the top rope for some knees to the kidneys. So Dawson is tagged in again, throws Enzo for a second, then tags in Rusev, who comes at Enzo with a flying kick to the snoot. Dawson isn't the legal man, but starts the pin, then rolls out of the ring as Rusev takes over, but the bell goes. So for once, the ref got to a five count and I guess enforced the rules, which to yeah. me, that felt a little bit like having the rules of Calvin Ball suddenly enforced, but there we are. Yeah, it's weird. Um... I don't hate it because there's been so many incidents, especially recently, it feels like there's been a lot of incidents where it's like somebody kicked out or, or like their shoulder wasn't down or like they were pinned, but the ref didn't count the three because it wasn't the play and finish of the match. Oh. And it really breaks the illusion of it. I was going to ask. Yeah. So I appreciate this referee being like, dude, you didn't get out in time. Like this, that's a disqualification. Ring the damn bell. But uh, it, it's also just as a television product, it's very confusing. I understand that. It was. Definitely as a viewer, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I appreciate that William Regal sort of did damage control immediately and was like, yes. he counted. That's his job. He did his job. He counted to three. It's over. And then whenever... The announcer came on and said, you're winner by disqualification, Enzo Mori and Cassidy. At that point, everything sort of went back to normal. But there was like, what is happening? I did want to ask you, how mm. important do you think it is to maintain those belief suspenders? Like that 
that it's a real thing and not predetermined? Like, how crucial is it that this happened regularly where, you know, you go, okay, no, you're still going to, we're going to do it the way that the rules dictate that we do this. I feel like something like this, if the ref hadn't disqualified them and had allowed the match to continue in this case, I would have been fine with it. Hmm. It's much more notable when, like, someone has clearly just been pinned for the th- a three count. Like, they did not kick out in time. They were clearly pinned. And the ref just decided not to count it. Because this thing, you could, like, explain it like, oh, the ref was giving them leeway. You can get away with a lot with a line like, the ref doesn't want this to end in a disqualification. Mm. So for something like this, you could have said something like, You know, that might have been a DQ, but the ref, you know, like, didn't want to end it on such a technicality, and so didn't. Okay. With more major stuff, I don't think it's a huge problem, but it can bring down a good match. You know, the finish is so important. Do you think that the higher the stakes are in a match, the more important it is to not sort of give in to just going, oh, we're going to stick to the storyline? Yeah, I do. I mean, this happened... This past year in the main event of WrestleMania. Oh, shit. The referee screwed up the count, you know, and they kind of made a thing out of it for a minute. They were like, oh, I don't know if that referee, you know, because you can also like if it happens, you can also use it to build the story off of because all of a sudden the count didn't actually count. But like that was supposed to be the culmination of the biggest story going into your biggest event of the year. Mm. And it really brought it down for me. You know, and it was a real shame because it was the first time women were main inventing WrestleMania and everything. And like, ah. yeah, it was a, it was an issue. It was it was an issue. I think, you know, as the stakes get higher, as the matches get more important. Yeah, the ref has a job. You know, it's 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 almost as important as that the ref not screw up is the wrestlers not screw up. It's not as important because the ref isn't going to kill somebody or paralyze. Yeah, them. Right. But but it is very important that the ref do their job right. And in my opinion, part of that job is especially with like three counts calling it like you see it all right no that's really interesting because i definitely think about the belief suspenders and how important they are to me or not important they are to me i guess quick sidebar then about commentators do they know what the determined outcomes are going to be or is it a surprise to them i'm pretty sure they know i I think for the most part they know although i wouldn't be surprised if they didn't sometimes you know you can always tell when they when they don't know because they're like audibly confused like when something like that happens like you know it's like okay we're scrambling now but i think for the most part the commentators are clued in on to who's gonna win okay interesting i think obviously it depends on what you're doing but i'm pretty sure all right next up bo dallas comes to the ring to explain himself this is so funny i love it so much Uh, so the audience is booing nonstop, and even (laughs) with a mic bo is not easy to hear over all that booing no sidebar Bo's hair looks immaculate. It's like a shining waterfall of perfection. Bo is also dressed like a substitute teacher, but wearing the belt over his slacks and waistcoat. The crowd at one point starts chanting, fix your pants at him uh, mm. because part of his ankle is tucked into his boot accidentally. Aww. And um, also, I think at one point I heard them start chanting Pocahontas at him, which was maybe a reference to his hair. I don't know. It was weird. I hope what? that's not actually what I heard. I don't know. Yeah, I hope that's, that's what, what you heard, like. too. I'm like, what yeah. a weird... I don't know if I like that. I don't like it, but God, yeah. that's so weird. Listen back and tell me if you hear it, guys. Yeah, please. Bo thanks the crowd for all their support, then explains that he showed up to support Sammy during his match and that Sammy needs his mentorship. 
He's happy to give Sammy a match, but not a title match because he doesn't deserve that yet. And he thanks the crowd again. He screams, don't stop believing. The crowd was chanting something. I didn't know what it was. I'm glad that you have identified at least one thing that they were chanting because I definitely was going often crowd chants. I cannot understand them. It's going to be hard. Yeah, they were definitely chanting. We want Sammy at one point and they were chanting fix your pants and and (laughs) something that sounded like Pocahontas. Yes, if we can, some NXT historian out there can go back and figure out what that was about, please. So backstage with Renee, CJ Parker is here to say that he's here to share love, not hoard it like a selfish beaver, i.e. Tyler Breeze. (laughs) That's right. He says Breeze needs to let this go, which is the cue for Breeze to fly into shot and kick the shit out of CJ Parker, then lay on his fallen enemy for a selfie and stalk off. Mm Mm-hmm. I felt 5% more interested in Tyler Breeze for doing that deeply in-character post-beatdown selfie. Right? Yeah, he's really into the character, and you can't, yeah. you can't hate him for it. <laughs> I am currently 20% okay with Tyler Breeze. Okay. This has been your Bob versus Breeze update. We will keep you up to date as these feelings shift. <laughs> Match two. Sasha Banks comes to the ring. Still no discernible character apart from attractive woman who wrestles. Mm-hmm. Yet. Yeah, for about eight or nine minutes. <laughs> yeah. Paige marches to the ring, grabs the rope, throws her head back, and screeches like a petite werewolf. Sasha and Paige lock up, and then Paige slings Sasha at the ropes. She bounces off and lands on her ass. Paige screeches and does it again. Sasha battles back, though. She knees Paige in the gut, and Paige looks momentarily surprised, but gets even more surprised when she pulls Sasha up, and then Sasha has her legs around Paige, and Paige is going to smack her down onto her face, but Sasha reverses it, taking Paige onto her back for a pin. Yeah, that was really pretty. It was! Paige grimaces and looks at Sasha like, no more Mrs. Nice Goth. We go to commercial, and then holy shit, we come back to Sasha with Paige in a neck chin hold lock is that have a name i always get confused with the choke holds like i think like that might be a like a rear naked choke something like that okay but i think that's also like an actual mma term and i can't speak to how accurate that is so it's okay. a it's some sort of like choke hold all right also the uh the role that we talked about a few minutes ago that sasha pulled off that was really pretty was called the victory roll just so you know oh that's cool yeah so Paige gets out of this chokehold for a second, but then Sasha grabs her back into the body scissors or high intensity spooning. (laughs) There's a couple of escapes and then returns to the high intensity spooning. Mm -hmm. And Paige finally does escape and Sasha tries for a suplex, but Paige lowers her center of gravity so Sasha can't. And then Paige suplexes Sasha. And the ending, the ending is really interesting. It's quick. Sasha fakes out Paige by acting like she's going to use an Irish whip to come at Paige but just sticks to the ropes. So Paige does a drop kick at nothing because Sasha faked her out. And Sasha then slams herself at Paige and goes for a pin. And only because Paige rolls Sasha over and reverses the pin is Paige the victor. That's right. I was pretty amazing. I was like, ah, ooh, making, making Sasha look very credible as a threat. Yeah, this is actually a much better match than I remembered it being. And um agree. I mean, I, well, even watching it the second time, I was like, oh, this didn't yeah. stick with me the first time. But now I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I, I do love that finish because as we've talked about before, like that kind of like quick pin from out of nowhere 
is usually a mechanism for saying that Paige, you know, kind of barely escaped with the win. Yeah. So it really did a good job of putting Sasha over there. And you can just see how good Sasha's going to be, like, even now. I just, mm-hmm. I can't, I have more feelings about that later. That's for another segment. I'm, yeah. I will leave you to guess which one. Paige offers a handshake for a match well wrestled and Sasha turns it down. Mm. She attacks Paige while her back is turned and slaps the frick out of her before doing a neck breaker. Yep. I saw a heel turn coming. I mean, barely I saw it, but I saw it coming. I was not expecting something that definitive out of the gate. But yeah, damn, Sasha showed up and is super good at wrestling. Yeah. And, you know, that's how heel turns like work a lot. We got a little bit of build up to this one because Summer Ray had kind of been working on her. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some like really surprise ones where it's like, oh, shit, I was working with the other side all along. You know, that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> but where somebody takes a mask off and they're like, Mwah, ha, ha, ha. yeah, but I mean, that's that has happened, too. But uh, <laughs> I mean, it's usually a T-shirt, you know. Oh, no, I'm wearing the I'm wearing this T-shirt under my other T-shirt. <laughs> oh, my God. Like friggin john moxley okay <laughs> exactly but um but yeah this is a pretty classic example of a really just kind of nicely executed little heel turn they they sowed some seeds from it you were kind of wondering if she was going to do it and when she did she did it definitively she refused the handshake she hit her from behind and then she's dropped her with a neck breaker so there's no question that sasha banks is now a heel and obviously the the next segment you know followed up with that Yeah, I was going to ask, is this considered a defining match for Sasha Banks? I mean, I think it is because it's her heel turn and Sasha Mm. Banks really comes into her own as a heel. I don't like I've never really seen this match included in a ton of like, you know, retrospectives of Sasha's career. So Mm. it's I don't think I don't think it is usually like remembered as such but if you're gonna trace her career it's really important and it's also really good yeah i would thought you know even with my limited experience i thought this was cohesive and it told a connected story that went from the start to the finish and didn't sort of lose its way at any point which i certainly some of the matches have been like well that's one way to tell a story there is definitely a match that happens um a little while from now, I mean, you know, a, a decent while from now, that is kind of the definitive, like, oh, Sasha Banks is going to be an actual big thing. Um, mm. That happens later. There is a specific match where that is the case. But this is definitely the start of it. Like, this is the start of the journey that she will go on to become one of one of the best and most beloved and most accomplished female wrestlers of the modern era. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers for the fact that Sasha Banks is fucking great. Yeah. So backstage, Summer Rae and Sasha Banks uh, bond over being lady heels. And <laughs> Summer Rae brought out the rage that was inside of Sasha Banks. I'm 90% sure that's going to come back to bite you in the ass, Summer Rae. Like, just, <laughs> I just don't think that you can bring out the rage in somebody and then go, that will never touch me. Right. Yeah. I mean, hey, you never know. But uh, I will say... Uh, Sasha Banks is great. I'll, obviously, I love her. She's an amazing wrestler. She's a huge star. Even today, she has trouble with Provo sometimes, and Aww. she just she's just not. It's not her strong suit. Is talking. Um, oh, I get you know. it, man. Coming out there and having a real strong take on your character and just owning it—that's a weird feeling. I can yeah. see going. No, I I'm never gonna try and get good at that because I don't wanna. It's too weird. She does get significantly better than she is here. 
but okay. here she's pretty she's pretty rough yeah it, yeah it, cute but rough yeah so now for the main event it's leo kruger versus xavier woods yeah again deeply not okay with the racist narrative of xavier woods as quote prey for mm. the hunter figure of leo kruger however mm. I am glad to get more Xavier Woods on my screen, so I am pleased about that. Yeah. The entrances are both pretty enthusiastically received by the crowd, but I think it's pretty clear, given the clapping and dancing of the audience, that they love Xavier Woods. Rightly so. Yes. The bell goes and Xavier Woods is ready to attack, but Leo Kruger is keeping his distance and using the ropes to keep Woods at bay. He rolls out to one side, Woods pursues, he gets back in the ring and rolls out the other side... Kruger does an I'm a little teapot twirl, but like <laughs> villainously. So we know he's a bad guy. I mean, yeah, he's got the he needs the dingle hopper in his hair, right? Yeah. And Woods is yeah. going, what the inscrutable frick is happening here? What is this? <laughs> and Woods is over it and grabs Kruger's hair through the ropes. Kruger tugs on Woods arm, winding him on the ropes and then finally gets into the ring. Now that he's got a slight edge, uh, the arm torture. The arm, arm torture, torture is time. back. It is. He's working over that left arm and shoulder like he did with Sami Zayn, I think. Is that who he did that to? That is the one, yes. Yay, I remembered a thing. And then this goes on for several minutes, and Kruger, he just doesn't let go. Like, to the point that Regal and Tony run out of stuff to say, almost. <laughs> like, it goes on for so long that it's just Leo Kruger torturing this arm that they start talking about the Sasha Banks page mash again. Yeah, it really was excessive arm tortures in this match. Like, it went on way too long. <laughs> Frankly, the as once again, the women's match really should have been the main event, I think. Yeah, agree. And I it sounded like uh, William Regal and Tony Dawson kind of agreed with that. We're sort I, of I like, so, how yeah. was that match? That match was really great, wasn't it? And I'm like... You guys are watching another match right now. You should probably focus on that. I mean, you could tell they were getting bored on commentary. And yeah. like Regal was even like screwing up a little bit and had to like correct himself because he wasn't paying attention. Like yeah, I know. Woods uses an arm drag to shake off Kruger, but his arm is hurting. And Kruger whips him at the ropes, but Woods goes for that head scissors, drag your opponent to the mat move. And Kruger slinks out of the ring to recover. Woods vaults over to the top to come down to splash on Kruger, but Kruger rolls out of the way. Woods is in rough shape after that, and back from commercial, Kruger is working Woods over with some kicks to the chest. He sets up a suplex with Woods' left arm held behind his back, mm -hmm. which I thought was really cool because I finally fucking noticed and appreciated that even when going for a higher impact move, Kruger didn't drop the submission specialist part of his angle. Yeah, which I think he also did in the, in the Zane match. I noticed a thing. Nice job. I am awarding myself a point for that. Not a point redeemable <laughs> for anything. But like if I had a character sheet, I would have just gained a single experience point yeah. or a point of notice or something. I'm not sure what system my wrestling journey is being run in. But oh, man, we'll probably know, Chris about that. Yeah. If you know any RPG people out there, please tell me what system my journey is taking place in, because I certainly don't know. <laughs> Okay, Kruger goes for a pin. Woods kicks out. Kruger goes back to that left arm and shoulder with Woods pressed to the mat. Woods struggles to his feet, but no, Kruger just does not let up. And nope. finally, Woods does that move where you drop to your butt on the mat while your opponent is hanging on to you. So your opponent bonks their chin on your head. Is that, what's that called? A bulldog? He has got his head like on top of his shoulder and then like falls. 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, that's probably, I, I would have to go back and look at it, but it's probably some sort of stunner or like on the Indies, you might call it an ace crusher or something like that. Oh, okay. So he's got a little distance now, so Woods can deliver a kick to Kruger and another quad kick and another. This is a lot of kicking. And Kruger leans into to grab Woods for a high impact move, but he shimmies out and does a drop kick to Kruger's face. And mm-hmm. the match is now getting fast. Thank God, finally. <laughs> Woods comes at Kruger for head scissors that Kruger instead uses to bring Woods back down across his knee. Pin attempted, kick out. Kruger goes to the second rope to do a hammer thing with his fists, maybe? Woods rolls out of the way, so Kruger is winded. And now they're both standing, and Woods is forcing Kruger back with hit after slap after hit. Miles, I've been meaning to ask this for actual weeks, maybe months now. Okay. Why does every single crowd go woo after someone does a chest slap to an opponent? Um, because the chest slap was a signature move of Ric Flair. Oh, I th- knew it had to be a Ric Flair thing. Cause I was like, why are they doing the Ric Flair woo for that? It's a, but it's actually a, it's a chop. So it's a, a ch- it's a chopping motion. Usually when you see a chest slap, it's like palm down. Okay. You know, so it's like you'll, the, the, they have like an overhand with the palm coming down on the chest. Whereas okay. the, the Ric Flair or any kind of really chop, because a lot of people do fucking chops. But mm-hmm. Flair is the one who did chops most famously. Ric Flair is like a knife edge chop going like across your chest. Oh, okay. And that's, right. that is what engenders the woo, because it was Rick's thing. Okay. So there was a time before... Ric Flair, whenever, you know, you could just chop someone in peace. Presumably, yeah. <laughs> That's so weird to think about. I think of, oh, I know that they're doing the thing because I heard the woos. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I've learned a thing, finally. I've been wondering yeah. about that for several months now. <laughs> well, I'm glad to finally give you an answer to that. So Woods picks up the pace with some awesome kicks to Kruger. He goes for honor roll, but Kruger catches him and then slams him back first into the mat. There's yeah. a few more back-and-forth high-impact moves and pen attempts, but then, naturally, it's morphin' time! Yeah, it is. Woods does honor roll again, followed up by Lost in the Woods, which is that kick where he holds their arm and then, then kicks <laughs> up both feet just under the armpits. I think it's kind of under the armpits. I don't know. He kicks up both feet. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how that move works. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. It's it happens real fast, but it looks it looks like it would be unpleasant. I think it's and supposed then, to be his like foot going into his face, but I'm not sure he always oh, gets it. Oh, okay, but that yeah. seems dangerous. All right, I say about this sport that definitely has many counts of injury, and people frequently don't get to do their job because they're injured. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, because Xavier Woods right now is not doing great. Oh, yeah, he's hurt. I hope you get better. Okay. But for right now, he's doing great. Woods pins Kruger and he wins. And the audience starts dancing and celebrating. And then William Regal admonishes Tony for not dancing. And it's great. All right, Bob. Uh, How did you feel about this episode overall? It's weird because it's really short. So it feels like I am missing out on pieces that I would otherwise normally get in a given Mm -hmm. match. But I also feel like this is the match where I started to notice things in some ways. So I was going, ah, wow, this is cool. I can see the rest of the colors that everyone else can see now. 
I mean, yeah, that makes sense. It was kind of a very basic kind of fundamental, not much happening wrestling show. Yeah. With a really kind of base, you know, kind of classic structure. And um, you were just able to enjoy that uh, for on its own terms. Yeah. Like. And it was really nice to get to see uh, Paige and Sasha do their match because I thought that was a really cool women's match. I actually think in some ways I might enjoy it more than the Emma Page match. Wow. Why? I guess I just I'm not really in, I'm appreciate... I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just curious. <laughs> I think I just really appreciate the fact that Sasha had to realize something about herself in it. And that was an interesting moment. Mm-hmm. There's really something to that in that there's a little bit more, um, you know, with... With Paige and Emma, it was the story was all about who they were as athletes and competitors. Yeah. Whereas this match is a little bit more about who Sasha is as a person. So maybe mm. that's maybe that grabs you a little bit more. I'm just a sucker for characterization. Uh, I don't blame you for having a lot of feels about characters. And speaking of having feels about things, it's time for the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? Related to what I was just talking about, in the moment where we see Sasha decide to be a heel, and then Paige's reaction to it of like, mm -hmm. what? I think it's that thing where if your choices as an actor aren't motivated by the desires of your characters and what's happening in the scene, it just all falls apart. And Sasha and Paige really kept this match grounded, not only in the wrestling, but what a characterization moment this was for both of them. Miles. What did your elf eyes see? Uh, so, I don't know if you noticed this. Okay. But during the backstage promo with Renee Young and CJ Parker, when CJ talks about how he wants to, was like, spread his love like the phoenix or something. Mm, yes. He like, pan he, like, pantomimes the phoenix flying off into the distance. And fucking Renee Young looks at his pantomime, follows his hand as though she is following the phoenix, oh. and then squints into the distance. Oh, as Renee though the sun is Young. hitting her eyes and she's losing sight of the bird. And oh. then she goes back to the interview. <laughs> Renee Young is such a gift. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, oh I can't. I cannot not shout that out. It was fucking incredible, and I just love her so much. All right, Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear? I love unicorns. <laughs> Kruger also said, I also love panda bears. And then this is Tony Dawson. Is that his name? God, I'm never gonna fucking it? remember his name. <laughs> he, he talks about how Kruger... He asked Kruger, like, what was important to winning the match or some shit. And Kruger's like, I like unicorns. And I asked him again, and he was like, I also like panda bears. And then the fact that William Regal's response was, quote, probably because he was talking to you. He talks normally to me. <laughs> <sighs> I just loved that so much. Oh, good, good William oh. Regal vibes. And also, I love that Tony Dawson is willing to go like, I'll say some dumb shit. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good sport. Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? So that was actually mine too, but uh, yeah! I'll, 
I'll pivot real quick over to the Bo Dallas promo just because I wanted to say something about it that I, I missed earlier, um, which is that listening to Bo Dallas, like, as an experienced wrestling fan who had been watching Sami Zayn for many years at that point, listening to Bo Dallas talk about Sami as though Bo was his mentor and Sami hadn't earned a championship match against Bo Dallas. Uh, <laughs> such good heel work. Such yeah. amazing, because, like, not only does he just sound insufferable, so if you don't know the history of it, you're going to hate him anyway, but for, like, those people who do know who Sami Zayn is, and there's a lot of them in the Full sale crowd, like, all the people who chant Olay at him, like, yeah. it's just like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, you fucking... <laughs> you don't get to say that you're Sami Zayn's mentor, you piece of shit. Uh, yeah, I did have a real visceral feeling about that. I'm like, oh, how dare you? Yeah. Sami Zayn's mentors are like, I don't know, the wind and the stars. Like, not <laughs> you, Bo Dallas. Uh, all right, Bob, for this episode, what did your human heart feel? My human heart just felt so much joy for Xavier Woods winning. Like, I just had a nice. lot of feelings about that. I was very, Sasha's heel turn was great. I had feelings about that. But I was so worried that Woods was going to lose to Kruger. And then he kicked his ass and it was beautiful. It was great. Miles, what did your human heart feel? This uh, this segment's going to be Sasha-centric pretty much every time she's on the show, I feel like. But, Understand. Um, just everything Sasha Banks related in this one. She was really the story of the episode for me. Obviously, mm. the turn, you know, I fell in love with her as a heel, so the turn um, is really important. But there's a lot of other little things. Um, you know, we talked about that victory roll that she pulled off, which you can hear the crowd audibly react to that. Like, yeah. oh, shit. What was that? You know, because she's so good at what she does, especially when she's wrestling that kind of like counter wrestling style. Even things like her gear, like the colors that she was in in this episode uh, really kind of remind me of like Sasha Banks NXT colors. Like she wears like a lot of memories I have. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but a lot of memories I have of her in NXT matches involve a lot of yellow and a lot of like pink and purple. So mm-hmm. um, the fact that she was in those colors really got to me. And uh, the other piece of it was Sasha Banks is like has a, a weird love affair with turnbuckles. And <laughs> like Regal even pointed it out on commentary. Like she really likes slamming and throwing her opponent into like different turnbuckles in weird, creative ways. It's one of the things I love about her wrestling style. And I thought it was so amazing that it was showing up this early, like when she had just a bunch of moves at like slamming Paige's head into the turnbuckle. And by the way, Bob, turnbuckle. Turnbuckle. That's what my human heart feels right there. All right. Well, those were the sight, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. We're going to get into the wrestling term of the week. But first, we need to hear Bob's fanfic explaining last episode's wrestling term of the week, which was appropriately turn. Okay. I need to thank Chris Newton for these character choices. Nice. And I want to say it's not just because Chris Newton is wonderful and because he's been on the show and because I enjoy Mega Demcast. It's because Chris Newton gave me two characters and my heart knew instantly what I had to do. So this comes from a place of deep artistic truth, I think. I can't wait. Count Chocula swirled his cape dramatically (laughs) to the approving hoots of the audience. People kept saying wrestling with a cape was a bad idea, but how could he give up that satiny billowing? He needed that pointy collar. It's not like people were going to respect a vampire without a cape. He had his opponent up against the turnbuckle. 
This was an easy match. Almost a squash match. Not quite, but almost. Definitely easy enough that he could afford to spend a few minutes thinking about his gimmick. I don't even like chocolate, came the cry from beneath his cape. <laughs> Maybe he relied on it too much. What were some other chocolatey vampire props he could incorporate? The ref broke it up and pulled him back. Everyone likes chocolate. That's just a fact, my little furry friend. The audience chuckled along. He didn't see the dropkick coming. And those feet had claws. He'd forgotten that. Count Chocula looked up from the mat at the wiggling pink nose and long expressive ears of Trix. <laughs> You've never taken me seriously, the rabbit whispered, then turned to the crowd. None of you take me seriously. Someone in the audience started a chant of silly rabbit. Count Chocula struggled to his feet. Come on, Trix, give it up. In the moments that had taken him to stand, Trix had gone to the top rope and was flying at him. They landed heavily on the mat together. I'm not giving up. I'm not ever going to give up. And the sooner you all realize that, the easier this will be. He screamed to the crowd, to God, who could tell? Then Chocula felt his cape loop around his neck and pull tight as Trix was tugging it across his windpipe. Still think I'm just a silly rabbit? Is that what you think? The ref was trying to pull him off, but not fast enough. Chocula tapped feverishly on the mat and mercifully felt the cape fall away from his neck. The bell sounded. The announcer blared. And your winner and number one contender for the mascot belt is Trix, the Trix Rabbit. Trix turned to Chocula, still breathing heavily on the mat. Silly Count Chocula. Title matches are for winners. Oh, that was tremendous. Thank you so much, Chris, for those characters. All right, Bob. Well, with that, it's time to get to this episode's Wrestling Term of the Week. Thank you so much for that fanfic. So there wasn't really a great wrestling term to help us understand anything from this particular episode or really the next one. And I have a really good wrestling history of the week lined up for our next episode. So this time around, I want to go back and talk about something we've mentioned a few times, and we should probably just spend just a little bit more time on in case it comes up. Okay. So the wrestling term of the week is kayfabe. The term kayfabe goes back to the days when wrestling was part of the circus, and it's actually really simple. Kayfabe refers to the scripted fiction of a wrestling show, as opposed to the unscripted reality of the wrestling business and its performers. Unless something weird is going on, everything you see on television is kayfabe. Sometimes you'll hear an interview with a wrestler where they stay in character. Bray Wyatt is notorious for this, and it used to be super common. He's giving a kayfabe interview, staying within the fiction of the show, as opposed to pulling back the curtain. These days, it's extremely common, if not ubiquitous, to hear wrestlers talk about themselves as performers and discuss the fact that they've played different characters and stuff like that. In this case, the wrestlers are breaking kayfabe. The term was originally used as a code word by circus performers who didn't want to let outsiders in on the idea that the show was fake, even though... Most people pretty much knew already, or at least suspected. Now, the notion of anyone maintaining kayfabe outside of the strict confines of the show is pretty much dead and buried. I won't spend time here going into the details of how and why kayfabe outside of the show broke for good, but if you're interested, I recommend a YouTube video that I know Bob has watched and enjoyed by Super Eye Patch Wolf called Why Pro Wrestling is Fascinating. He goes into the curtain call. He goes into all kinds of stuff like how the reality and the um, fiction of wrestling kind of got separated forever. 
Some related terms. On the rare occasions when someone does break kayfabe on TV, it is commonly referred to as a shoot. Uh, This can happen during a promo. The wrestler might, for example, use another wrestler's real name or refer to events that didn't happen on TV. Or it can also occur very dangerously in an actual match where a wrestler stops doing murder ballet with their partner and starts legitimately trying to hurt them. Ah! Shoot can also be used as an adjective, as in, that was a shoot interview, or she shoot tried to break her arm. Oh, God. That's a reference to a real thing that happened relatively recently. Uh, The opposite of a shoot is a work, i.e. something that was planned in advance as part of kayfabe. In modern wrestling, the death of broader kayfabe has led bookers and performers to try and sort of play with the audience's knowledge of the true nature of wrestling by crafting segments and promos designed to seem real, to seem like a shoot, when they are in fact a work. These are called worked shoots. Oh, God. I thought I understood kayfabe, but now I'm like, oh, great. There's seven layers below this, the top layer of dip that I am seeing, (laughs) as is always the case in the seven layer dip of wrestling. People who believe wrestling is real are derisively referred to as marks, Mm. while those who are smart enough to know otherwise are smarks. And the goal of a worked shoot is to briefly turn the smarks back into marks to make them doubt whether or not what they're seeing is real. I didn't really care about covering any of this before because NXT almost never breaks kayfabe. But if you're going to get into wrestling and you're going to talk about wrestling, especially online, these are terms you really ought to know. Okay. Especially because, like, you'll get someone arguing, you know, oh, this happened on the show. Was it a shoot or a work? You know what I mean? Yeah, I can totally see that argument happening and me coming in going, I don't understand what's happening. So that was uh, this episode's Wrestling Term of the Week. Come back next episode for Bob's fanfic explaining kayfabe. And now we've come to about the end of our time here on this one. But we can't leave before we offer up another installment of the Cheap Pop Quiz. All right, Bob, got one point in this third (laughs) cycle of the Cheap Pop Quiz. Question number one. Next episode's main event is an eight-man tag. Oh, yay. Featuring the team of Adrian Neville, Corey Graves, Xavier Woods, and CJ Parker, taking on The Ascension, Leo Kruger, and Tyler Breeze. What the actual fuck? Okay. Which of these wrestlers is suddenly so over with the crowd? That they're chanting, we want blank when he's not in the ring every time he's not in the ring. What? And that was awesome when he does literally anything. Is it A, Xavier Woods? B, Corey Graves? C, Adrian Neville? D, Leo Kruger? Or E, Tyler Breeze? My brain says Adrian Neville or Tyler Breeze. My heart says Xavier Woods and wants it to be Xavier Woods. Okay. But I don't know. The crowd really seems to like Tyler Breeze wrongly, but they seem to really be into it. <laughs> uh-huh. And I don't think they love Adrian Neville enough, frankly. So I'm okay. going to say Tyler Breeze. Going to go with E, Tyler Breeze. Question number two. Also on the next episode, we see a former jobber re-debut with a new gimmick. What does this new gimmick entail? Is it A... Beating people with a single move mere seconds after the match begins. B. Beating people up before the bell rings so the match never actually starts. 
C. Trying to sell both other wrestlers and the audience on a new fitness program. Oh, no. D. Being a classically trained thespian who sings both before and after matches. Or E. Being British. (laughs) Just a national identity as a gimmick. I mean, not that the others have not also had that flavor to them, but still. It's classic wrestling trope. National identity is gimmick. I'm going to say the fitness program thing. Okay. That sounds likely. All right. Trying to sell both other wrestlers and the audience on a new fitness program. Answer C. And finally, question three, Bob. No preamble to this one. Which of the following does not happen on next week's episode? Oh, boy. Is it A. Kurt Hawkins returns to NXT. Don't get my hopes up, Miles. <laughs> B. Cassius Ono returns to NXT. Why are you doing this to me? This is an attack. C. All Elite Wrestling jobber QT Marshall makes his debut as an NXT jobber. D. Bo Dallas reveals he has a hotline for his Bo Leavers that is currently being tested in places like Bolivia. Oh, Jesus. Or E. There is no women's wrestling on the show at all, with Renee Young being the only woman who appears in the episode. Okay, and this is... I'm choosing the thing that didn't happen. That's right. Four of these happen, one does not. Which one doesn't happen? I know that's a lot to take in right now. Boy, is it. Um, (laughs) Just the fact that four of them happen. I know, I'm like, I don't even understand reality anymore. (laughs) Okay, I, I think Kurt Hawkins doesn't come back. I think you're just toying with my heart. Okay. So choosing the answer A, Kurt Hawkins returns to NXT. Yeah. Although, I mean, I would be fine if he did come back. I also really want, I want Cassius Ono back. So I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. I'm going to get one of them. So I'm excited about that. You're definitely getting one of them. Come back next episode for the answers to this edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. All right, Bob. Well, I think that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Thank you so much, as always, for joining me. Oh, thank you. We have uh, we have some new wrestling names to give out. Yay! I love these. We uh, we have some late breaking news from our little wrestling promotion here. Um, the biggest one being that uh, Neil, all caps, K N E E L, the tyrant who has had his boot on our necks oh. since he became the first ten dollar patron of the next wrestling fan, has been dethroned. Oh. <gasps> What an upset. Yeah, it's and it's actually pretty great because uh, I personally think it's going to usher in a new era of, like, goodness and light. I got to tell everybody about the person who has dethroned Neil um, because uh, the patron in question is Josh Vasky-Huff. They're wonderful. They are wonderful. We have talked about their work before. Um, they are uh, over on AO3 turning NXT characters into D&D characters. It is quite fun. Uh, they are the new Next Wrestling Fan champion. Uh, and if you know anything about Josh Vasky Huff, it will probably not be a surprise to you that they have taken a hand in uh, in developing their wrestling persona. Yay. This is the fairest son, Sidriel Constellation. Okay, I'm intrigued. Their entrance music is uh, "Not with Haste" by Mumford and Sons, and uh, they described a little bit of their look: uh, long white tights, deep green patterns. 
a white binder around the chest with a similarly flowing depiction of a sun. Endgame Captain Marvel hair with streaks of green and purple running through it. Just picture this amazingness. And wow. Sidreal Constellation, in a move that is very close to my heart, is the Hope Punk Hero. <gasps> That's so wonderful. Josh writes, Hope Punk would be a sort of radically inclusive movement centered directly on the belief that not only is the world currently broken and the systems are designed to do violence against us, but that a better world is possible if we collectively dismantle entrenched tyranny and build a kinder world. You bet your ass I'm gunning directly for Neil and has taken him down. Josh has also included a quote, which I presume is from the promo from before the match where they officially ended our reign of terror. There are no kings or gods that are not of our making, and therefore we can't unmake them. Thrones and dominions are chains that bind us to what we are expected to consider normal and good. Good for them, but not for us. There are many who would gladly drop to their knees before him, for he is mighty and beautiful and capable of unspeakable things. But as for me, I will not be made to kneel. That's so good. It's so good. And uh, last note I wanted to put out here, the constellation part of the name comes from the fact that a constellation is a community of stars. Aww. It's just a fantastic character that Josh has come up with. Our new champion, Sidriel Constellation, the fairest son, the whole punk hero. We are living in a great and glorious age here at The Next Wrestling Fan. Hopefully, Neil doesn't uh, come back even angrier and oh, uh, no. with a renewed sense of purpose. But, you know, as, as we know, those of us who follow Hope Punk know, evil is never banished. Evil is never gone forever. The light in this darkness is temporary and must constantly be fought for again and again. But every time we go down, we have to get back up. And every time the darkness rises again, we will rise to meet it. God damn it. Josh, you fucking rule. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm also pleased to announce a couple of other new signings uh, to <gasps> the next wrestling fan. The next of our patrons to receive their name is Luke Blunier and his tag team partner. And uh, this person goes by the title of Corum, professor of the Ashen Wolves house beneath Garrig Mach. All of those words that Corum has put in their title is are direct references to Fire Emblem, and uh, ah. I'm not going to steal that IP for this, but it did give me some ideas, because you know, Bob, we love our, our hashtag goth husbands on this show. Yes, we do. We love our vampire tag team. But what's a vampire tag team, Bob, without a werewolf tag team to match? <gasps> yes, this is everything I wanted. So here's the thing. Uh, Corum is, according to his own admission, professor of the Ashen Wolves house, which is kind of where I started getting this idea. And so I started thinking, what would a werewolf professor wrestler be called? <gasps> so the first member of this tag team is Professor Rutherford Hunt. Oh, that's very good. His tag team partner, uh, the name I, I chose for, for Luke Blunier. Uh, and I do happen to know that Luke Blunier is an unspoiled fan who has been listening to uh, our coverage of the Twilight Saga. Very nice. It's one of the reasons that I wanted to include him in this werewolf tag team. If you're following our coverage of the Twilight Saga, you know that there is only one good werewolf in that series. Arguably only one good character in that series <laughs> who we like and don't despise at any point over the course of it. But uh, as a result of that, and again, as a nod to the werewolf thing, Rutherford Hunt's tag team partner is Seth Luna. Oh, that's great. And their tag team name, of course, they are the Lords of the Hunt. Oh, ominous. 
There's a misty moor in the background. Yeah. A full moon. Everything. All right. Well, thank you so much to uh, Luke Blunier and Coram and, of course, to Josh Vasky-Huff, all for being patrons of the show. We really appreciate you. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we really appreciate your support right now, guys. It's um, not the brightest timeline. Yeah. And in order to make this timeline a little bit brighter, mm. we are going to have a wrestling watch party with as many of you as can make it. We're still working out some of the details. And we're going to make this as friendly for new wrestling watchers as we possibly can. We want to show you cool wrestling stuff for the first time if you have not watched cool wrestling stuff. We're still working out how we're going to do it. We're still working out what we're going to watch and when. But uh, keep an eye on our social media, at NXT Wrestling Fan on Twitter. We are on Facebook, the NXT Wrestling Fan Podcast. And of course, I am on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman. Bob is at Megan Bobness. You can talk to us through any or all of those methods. And uh, we will be sure to make several announcements when we decide uh, when the watch party is happening, how it's going to go down, and, uh, and what we're watching. I will commit to you right now that it is going to happen in early April. Great. Early April. Well, Bob... You know what else is happening in early April. I know, and I'm very excited. Tell everybody about it. All right, guys, I'm really excited about this. We uh, retweeted this on our account because it was tweeted out by the Professional Wrestling Studies Association, which if you're not familiar with the Professional Wrestling Studies Association, go become familiar. Uh, The website is prowrestlingstudies.org, and uh, they are a really cool group of academics who study professional wrestling. Uh, And part of that is that they have announced their inaugural online, free, open-to-everyone wrestling symposium, WrestlePosium. Yeah! It is happening on Saturday, April 4th, 2020. Uh, it's Again, it's free. It's online. You go to their website to register. It's really easy. I have done it myself. I am already registered. Bob will be there. I will yes. be there. So, yeah, check it out. Again, prowrestlingstudies.org. Thank you so much. PWSA for doing this, and uh, we hope that all of you will give them your support. Yes, thank you. We're very excited to attend that and to support it, and we hope that you'll be there to talk about these awesome presentations with us. I think that's everything, Bob. Thank you all so much for for being patrons, for being fans, for being listeners, for being people. Again, it's rough times out there. We understand that, and uh, we're thinking about each and every one of you, and um, we're going to do what we can to just make life a little bit brighter so um be safe out there guys just do do the things you need to do um to keep yourselves and your loved ones safe happy and well and uh we will see you in two weeks with yet another episode of the next wrestling fan bye The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. 
We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. All right, Bob, let's get into the episode proper, and we do that with Bob's breakdown. Do, 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 do. No, that's not the right one. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is? Yeah, nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just say real quick that I love that Cassidy catches Dawson's leg, and Dawson's like, put it down. That's not sporting of you. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you trying to... No, I'm not going to put your leg down. This is a wrestling match. What is wrong with you? I also love that now Dawson going, no, sportsman-like <laughs> conduct. Stop it. The legs stay on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know anything about legs? <laughs>